Good morning, Renaissance. Today's scripture is coming from Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 through 12. We'll be reading from the New International Version. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him to the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful, who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. Give it up for Moses, everybody. Hey, what's going on, everybody? My name is Jordan. I'm one of the pastors here. Shout out to everybody who's here uh, for the first time. You have picked an amazing time to be at Renaissance as we are going through our By Faith series. And we're looking, basically, what would it look like for me and for you to live by faith? Now, there's a lot of things in life that you can force. There's a lot of things in life that you can fake, but living by faith is not one of them. It's almost like uh, working out. I don't know if you ever worked out with someone who's in really, really good shape, um, and halfway into the workout, you realize that you are not in good shape. (laughs) A couple years ago, I was working out with a guy from this church named Lawrence, and if you, (laughs) yes, if you've ever given Lawrence a handshake, you know how good of shape he's in, Uh, and I was going to the gym with him, and the first time we got there, about half an hour into it, I was like... The room started to spin already, and I was like, whew, that was a good one. He was like, no, 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 that was the warm-up. <laughs> I remember one day we went to the gym, and he had cooked up this ridiculous leg workout, squats, and all this other stuff, and I was inhaling when I was supposed to exhale, but exhaling when I was supposed to inhale, and I got confused, so I just started to hold my breath as I was doing squats. <laughs> and all of a sudden, the room started to get dark. I was like, oh, that's cool. I got mood lighting in the gym. This is, this is a nice gym. Somehow I like stumbled, like my legs, I stumbled to throw the weights back on the rack. And uh, it was one of the most painful, nauseating workouts that I've ever had. Now, as much as I hated going to the gym at 5.45 in the morning, in the wintertime, walking to the, to the gym and being punished for about an hour and a half, uh, it really was a time of my life when I've uh, been in incredible shape. And in a sense, it's not the leisurely uh, exercises that we do that grow us. It's not the leisurely pace of setting the treadmill on zero incline and four miles an hour uh, (laughs) that will grow you. But it's those times when you're pushed past your comfort zone, and uh, sometimes it's a painful, nauseating thing. Now, the same thing is true with faith, that it's not the controllable, comfortable circumstances in our life um, that grow us. And faith, in a lot of ways, is like a muscle. It can be strengthened, uh, it can be stretched, and thankfully for us, it could grow. Now, the story that we're looking at today from Scripture is one of those push-you-past-your-comfort-zone 
uh, types of stories, and it comes talking about a man named Abraham. And if you'll let it, if you'll go with us on this journey today, I think that it has an opportunity uh, to help us to grow. Now, in this By Faith series, we're looking at basically one chapter of Scripture uh, from Hebrews 11, and Hebrews 11 talks about faith, what faith is, what faith isn't. And if you're new to Scripture, you're new to the Bible, Hebrews 11 is a great uh, chapter for you just to read to see what faith is all about. And the section of Scripture we're coming to today uh, is about a guy named Abraham, and it answers a lot of good questions of what a real legitimate faith looks like. Now, all of you guys are here because uh, one of two reasons. One, somebody made you come, right? They promised you brunch if you, if you came to church. Uh, and for the rest of you guys, it's because you want to grow in faith, right? You may not even know where to start, but you, you're here today because you want to grow in faith. What would that look like for you? What would it look like for your life to be a life that's lived by faith? Where would you start? Even better question, what are some good signs that you're on the right path? How do you know that you're not just making up something and you're going in the wrong direction? What are some signs that you should look out for as you're trying to walk by faith that would reassure you that you're headed in the right direction and not caught up in the wrong spot? What are the things that we should be looking for in our life to see if we are, in fact, developing real, legitimate faith in God? Now, one of the best things I've been able to do in the last couple of years is do a little traveling. And my favorite place on the planet, with the exception of Harlem, New York, is Jamaica. Uh, shout out to my Jamaicans, all my people from the yard. <laughs> and in Jamaica, when you're going to different places, sometimes you can't just whip out Google Maps and like, get to where you need to go to. We were going to see a family friend, and uh, the directions were pretty crazy. He's like, you're going to go Pondy Hill, and you're going to see a little man on the left. And then you're going to see a, ho- a yellow house, um, and then you're going to go down three blocks after the yellow house, and you're going to make a left. If you see a bridge, you've gone too far. Go back, and you'll see a house with mad tires in front, and then you're going to keep on moving. Uh, and I remember looking at the dude like, uh, dude, I have no idea what you're talking about. We're going to get there like in a year, a year's time. Now, my mother-in-law, thankfully, she has a better sense of direction than us, um, and she followed every step, step by step, looking out for different markers, looking out for different indicators that we were, in fact, headed in the right direction. Now, a journey by faith is much more like going around country in Jamaica than it is you taking out your app on your phone with a perfectly spelled out uh, route guide uh, telling you each step, in 0.1 miles, you're going to go here, in 0.5 miles, you're going to do this, step by step by step. Sometimes the journey of faith is one of those stories, is one of those journeys where you don't know where you're going, and you're just looking for markers and different indicators that you're headed in the right direction. Now, Hebrews 11 gives us a really good sample of Scripture that I think in a lot of ways is a good guide for us to say, are we in fact headed in the right direction? And uh, it comes to us from Hebrews uh, 11. Uh, The story starts out in verse 8 talking about this guy named Abraham. It says, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Now, if you guys are are underlining stuff or have your Bibles or you can highlight it in your Bible app, I want you guys to look at verse 8 where it says, called to go out. Now, the journey of faith starts with a call. 
And that call is usually to go out and to leave what was familiar in your life and to go to a place, uh, an unknown place oftentimes, where the journey of faith is an invitation for you to trust God. The call for us to journey with faith in God and simply put our trust in him. Now, I was thinking about it. Uh, why was it that God called Abraham out? Why couldn't God do what he wanted to do in Abraham's life exactly where he was? Now, for everybody who knows a little bit about Abraham, uh, Abraham uh, is known as the father of many nations. Uh, that from, He was promised by God that from his offspring, the entire world would be blessed. Uh, but at the time that God gave him the promise, he didn't have any kids. And on top of that, on top of not having uh, any, any children, uh, God also called him to go out. And I kept on thinking, God, why would you call him to go out? Why would you call him to leave where he was? And I started thinking, basically, all of growth is a series of leaving. All of growth is a series of leaving what was previously familiar and moving into unknown territory. We have a number of women at Renaissance uh, that are pregnant, uh, and they know this way better than I ever will, so don't throw anything at me. I'm not trying to speak like I know what it feels like to be pregnant. Um, but in order for that baby to grow, he or she has to get out. They got to leave, preferably right around their due date or right a couple of days before their due date. And it would be incredibly unhealthy for the mother and the baby if the baby just stayed in indefinitely. In our series of life, yeah, it would. It would be some National Geographic stuff. You don't want to see it. Trust me, don't, don't click the link on that one. In our, in our life is a series of us leaving going out to unfamiliar places. When children are born, there comes a stage when they get out of the stage of diapers. They leave diapers behind, and what was previously a crutch, what was pre previously a safety thing for them, they now leave and go out. And it's incredibly healthy for a, children, for a child to leave that. Not only that, do they leave diapers, but at some point, they leave the 24-7 supervision of their parents. 24-7, mom and dad or, and everybody, family and grandma and them used to be around the child, but at some point, they go to childcare around other peers or uh, they, you put them in Renaissance Kids or you put them in school and they, go from, they, and they go out from what they had previously known into an unknown place for them. And at some point, they leave your house. That's good news. And here's the... Yes. <laughs> And here's the best part, all the parents, especially teenagers and parents, kids in their 20s, uh, at some point, they get out of your wallet. And that's the best part. Uh, I still ask my parents for money, so they're not there yet. <laughs> but a life is a series of going out, of leaving, and actually, it's a pretty terrible thing if you just stay exactly where you are. So it's a pretty good indication that the first thing that God does to Abraham is to call him to go out from what he had known and to leave his security behind, and uh, it got me thinking about just a lot of the ways um, that you and I can get stuck in certain places uh, because uh, we can get stuck in faith because we're unwilling to leave what was familiar and what's comfortable and to go follow God wherever God is calling us to be. Now, a couple months ago, I miscalculated some things in our finances. Uh, I got a check-ins account and I got a savings, and they don't always line up the way I need them to line up. And I probably had it gone a little too crazy with Amazon purchases. And towards the end of the month, it was like, yo, we got more bills than we got money. What should we do? So my wife put the ax on all of my spending. Um, she took away the one-click purchase from my account. <laughs> and we started looking at different ways. How can we uh, pay our bills this month? What ways can we do? 
Uh, what can we do? What can we cut to, to make all of our ex expectations? And I, a thought crossed our mind. We said, well, actually, we're about to give a gift to Renaissance tomorrow. It's about to hit our account tomorrow. What if we just skipped a month, and then next month, you know, Harlem World double up. We'll make, it, we'll make it back for what we were supposed to do last month. Um, and that would help us feel good. Like, then we'd have cushion, and then we'd feel better about it, and we wouldn't be worrying about where we're going to uh, pay our bills. In that moment, uh, I felt God calling me to trust him with my finances. For me to not know how God was going to provide, but God, I want to be faithful in how I give. And nobody would ever ask me how I'm giving to the church. They would just expect that I'm tithing and giving faithfully here. And I knew that. I knew nobody would ask me how I'm doing. Now, fortunately, uh, I did continue with my giving. I wouldn't have told the story if I didn't. Um, <laughs> and in that moment, I got a chance to experience God show up in my life. I felt that God was calling me from what was comfortable, calling me into the unknown, and invited me to trust him. That's what faith is. Faith is a journey that starts with a call for you to leave, for you to get out of what is comfortable, and for you to journey with God, with Jesus. And all you might have sometimes is his invitation to trust him, to trust his character. Now, one of the fears that I have for me and one of the fears I have for you is that you and I would be following an imaginary Jesus. And here's what imaginary Jesus looks like. Uh, he looks like you in camouflage. Somehow, conveniently, he likes everybody you like. He doesn't like anybody you don't like. That's for sure. He never calls you really to do anything really uncomfortable. Uh, he never puts you in a position where you don't know what's next. Only thing this imaginary Jesus does is he just wants you to be a little bit nicer. That's it. Now, if that is what's happening in your life, and if you've been a Christian for a little bit, or if you're uh, looking out for what could be a real indicator that you can start to follow Jesus, here's a good indication that God is calling you. He is calling you out of what is familiar, and he's calling you into the unknown. And the only invitation is for you to trust him in that place. Now, this is what we see in the story of Abraham, that faith is a call uh, into the unknown where we are invited on a journey to trust God. Now, faith is just that. It's a journey. Uh, it's not a destination. It's not uh, uh, something that we check off our, our, our list. Faith is a journey where you are continually wrestling with this place, being put in unknown situations and trusting in God. And God calls Abraham to leave his homeland. Uh, Genesis uh, 12 through 22 basically gives us a really good account of Abraham's life. And I want to go back from Hebrews to, to Genesis for a hot second and look at exactly what God was calling uh, Abraham to do. Uh, in verse 12 and 1 uh, in Genesis, this is what Abraham heard from God. Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. Go from your people, your country, your father's household to the land I will show you. Now, to a New York crowd, this is how you guys probably hear it. Like, yo, big deal. He had to move. I've moved like eight times in the last two years. <laughs> And Abraham didn't have to pay broker's fees. <laughs> but Abraham heard this uh, in a much more severe way. For Abraham to leave uh, his family, his country, and his father's household, uh, God was calling him to leave three things. He was calling him to leave familiarity. He was calling him to leave security. And he was calling him to leave his source of identity. 
Now, here are some markers, here are some indicators, here are some signs, here are some good indicators that you are journeying in the right direction of faith, that God is calling you to leave what is familiar, that God is calling you to leave what makes you feel secure, previous sources of security, and also that God is calling you to leave previous sources of what you have put your identity in. Now, Abraham uh, certainly uh, would not have taken this call to leave his country uh, easily at all. Um, one, from a, a real way, at a very fundamental level, all of us um, have a need to belong. It's a very, very fundamental thing that all of us have going on inside of us, uh, which is why um, even atheists and other um, people who don't necessarily claim faith, they meet in groups because deep down inside, they have a feeling and a need to belong. And what God was doing was snatching away his familiarity. He says, go and leave your country and leave your people. Now, it's interesting, even for you, uh, you can be somewhere, um, you know, you might not have liked everybody from your high school or from your college, but if you were randomly in like Sheboygan, Wisconsin, and you saw somebody from high school, you would start to talk to them, even if you didn't like them in high school. Even if you don't like any of their Facebook posts that come up now, you'd still probably talk to them because there's a sense of belonging, and deep down inside, we all have it. If you went to another country and heard someone speaking with an American accent, you would probably go talk to them because there's a sense of safety and security in talking to someone from your home place. And here's what God was calling Abraham to do, and here's what God might be calling me and you to do, to leave what is familiar and what is comfortable. That safety blanket, that safety net that you uh, have built up, uh, to leave it and to go out where God is calling you to into the unknown. Now, one of the ways I see this most in our community is, quite frankly, in uh, community groups. Um, uh, one of the things we talk about all the time is that your walk with God might be uh, personal, but it's not individual. It's personal for sure, but it is not individual. And one of the, there's, it's an impossibility for you to grow to be more like Jesus by yourself. All the Bible reading in the world by yourself in the closet is good. It's a good start. But until you are immersed in the rhythm of community where people know you, they know your real struggles, they know your real challenges, uh, it caps our growth. And here's what happens. A lot of people are so used to, so familiar with never really being vulnerable around other people, especially the brothers. You've never been vulnerable in your, a day in your life to anybody else. Don't nobody know anything about you. Uh, and we, we stay there because it's familiar. It feels comfortable. But in order for us to move and to grow, we have to leave what is familiar and go into unknown places. Not just that, but for Abraham, it was also security. Uh, there was a great deal of security for him to be in his homeland, uh, both financially and also in other ways. Um, now, this is cool for the Bible uh, readers in here, people who study the Bible a little bit. Uh, Abraham, uh, being called to leave his homeland, was much bigger than just a move. Uh, it was actually a shameful thing for an older man to be buried away from his relatives. And since Abraham didn't have any kids yet, he was hearing this call to leave as a call to leave his, his standing in his family's history. That he would basically be cut off for eternity from his family, from his heritage. He would not be remembered anymore because he would not be able to be buried in the land of his fathers. And since he didn't have any kids, there'd be nobody to remember him by. That he would die alone and lonely. And this is what God was calling him away from, the security of knowing that you have this blanket and this group of people around you. And here's a great indication that God is working your life and that you are moving in faith and you're living by faith is when God is calling you to leave things that made you feel secure. 
Now, for me, the easiest example is money. Um, I smile on paydays. It's like a, it's a good day. I don't argue with my wife. It's a, it's a, it's a fun time in the Rice household. Uh, but if you are in a situation where the money is looking funny, um, and certainly this is true for a lot of people who stay at jobs way past the time that they should be there, uh, simply because it's secure. It's secure. They won't even think about doing anything else because there is security exactly where they are. And listen, to live by faith might be this painful and nauseating journey where God snatches away what was secure and asks us and invites us to trust in him. Not only that, but it was also his source of identity. Uh, certainly in those days, uh, to be embedded with your family was a big deal. Um, it, was, it was all that mattered in some ways. Um, and for us, uh, it becomes increasingly difficult, uh, especially if you're uh, older and you're considering putting faith in Jesus. Uh, you've spent decades being one way. Your whole, everybody who knows you knows you as one thing. And for you to put faith in Jesus, for you to go out on a limb, you're risking your reputation that now people might think you're some Christian zealot. And you might not want to make that step. You might feel like it's a little too awkward, but check this out. In a journey living by faith, God might call you away from things that we previously put our identity in, in an unknown place, in an undefined time, so that we would journey with him. And the only thing we'll have to hold on to is to trust in him. Now, Throughout the series, we've been identifying faith and defining faith as confidence in the character of God. And it's very important that you see faith as confident in the character of God, not, character, not confident in what you can figure out, because if, you, uh, if your definition of faith is your confidence in yourself being able to figure it out, uh, you're not going to be able to live by faith. You're going to always need to see everything spelled out before you move an inch, and you're going to miss out on a lot of the things that God wants for you in your life. And here's the the reality of it. Faith is unsettling. Faith is unsettling. Living by faith is unsettling at times. It doesn't always feel good. And we actually see this right here in the text in Abraham's life. Um, If you want to know what to look out for, look for God to unsettle you a little bit in your walk with him. Verse 9, it says, of uh, Hebrews 11, it says, "'By faith he went to live in the land of promise.'" as in a foreign land, living in tents. Now, he went from living in a crib to living in tents. That his faith, his journey, literally unsettled him. He was no longer established and settled and rooted in one place, but he was now a nomad moving from place to place. And here's a great indication that you're living by faith and you're walking in the right direction with God, is that there's an unsettling uh, in your life, that you're allowing uh, God to unsettle you from previous things, and you're allowing God to unsettle you and move you into unknown places. And this is what the journey of faith is all about. Now, a lot of people are struggling with a decision right now for in one area or, uh, or another. Maybe it's financial. Maybe it's in a relationship. Uh, maybe it's in your commitment to Jesus. Uh, there's a lot of different areas that you might be making decisions. And one of the things that I don't want you to disregard, I do not want you to disregard If it feels like it's unsettling you to move forward where you think God might be calling you, that's not necessarily a bad thing. As a matter of fact, it might be a much worse thing if we're looking for comfort, if we're looking for convenience in what we're doing. Now, here's what I've seen in my own life. This may be true for you. Uh, A lot of us, instead of living life on a journey with God in faith, we're actually living like tourists. You want to know what a life like a tourist is? Life on your own terms, at your own time. In, with your own description of what should happen. 
A few weeks ago, my wife and I went to Nashville, and as soon as we got there, my wife like whipped out the computer, got the Excel spreadsheet, like, all right, at 11.52, we are going to go here. Uh, and basically, tourism is life on your own terms. And for me, tourism is life on my wife's terms, whatever she tells me, whatever she tells me I can do. Now, too many of us approach faith in Jesus like a tourist and not as a journey. Now, this is true for the Christians in the room. If you're not a Christian yet, uh, you don't have to do any of this stuff. It doesn't apply to you. But I am uh, alarmed at how prayerless I am sometimes before I make decisions. And I'm also equally alarmed at how prayerless we all are. And we don't even stop to consider what it is that God might be leading us to. Because in our minds, we're approaching the journey of faith like a tourist. Hey, I'm doing this because this one actually benefits me. And we live not on mission with God, not uh, as journeying in faith, but we live as tourists looking to get uh, the, the most out of life in this day. Forget the here and after. Uh, we're going to live to get everything we can get. We're going to jam it all in to get everything we can get out of life, and I don't care how it affects anything else. Now, the journey of faith is, is not that nice and that neat and that uh, cute and wrapped up in a bow. The journey of faith is an unsettling one where we lay down uh, our preferences we lay down our security. We lay down all of these different things and journey with God into the unknown. And we can journey simply trusting in him. Now, here's what I find in my life. Um, and this is what has kept me in different times where I've wondered what to do next, where I've wondered whether or not I can journey with God into the unknown and trust him. Uh, there's been a lot of different ups and downs in, in life. And simply the only thing that I've ever found that is a deep enough and a strong enough anchor for my faith has been looking to Jesus on the cross. And when I look to Jesus on the cross, I see the benevolence of God. I see the, the, goodness, and the goodness of a God who, for, uh, who so loved the world that he gave his only son. And that in moments where I say, God, I don't know if I can trust you. I don't know if I can go there. I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can give this. Um, when I, when I, I see the nail-pierced hands of Jesus saying, yo, come to me. You can do it. And that's the only thing that has kept me going. Now, faith starts with a journey, but the good news is it ends with an experience. And we see this in Abraham's life, uh, that it wasn't just all about him going out to the unknown, but that because of his committing to follow God into the unknown, he was able to experience God in ridiculously amazing ways. And the same thing is true for me and for you, that if you want to experience the fullness of God, sometimes you're going to have to journey into the unknown known. And that is where we will experience. A journey start, the faith starts with the journey, but it ends with an experience. Um, Hebrews 11, 11 through 13, uh, we see that God showed up for Abraham. God called him to go out, and God showed up. It didn't happen immediately. It didn't happen the day after. It definitely took some rocky roads to get there, but God showed up in ways and did things for him that he could have never done by himself. Now, when they write the story of your life, when they write the story of my life, I want the story to be that Jordan and that you live by faith, that you went out with God to the unknown and you trusted in him and that God showed up for you. 11 through 13, it says, by faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promise. Abraham was experiencing God's faithfulness while journeying with God in faith uh, and it's something really faith-building to see yourself in this wilderness with God and to see God actually show up. 
Now, here in this text, Abraham and his wife had tried for years. They thought it was impossible. And while they were in this wilderness, while they were in this unknown place, God showed up. And as a matter of fact, uh, what enabled Abraham to be bolder and bolder later in his life was that he had seen the faithfulness of God over and over and over again. So he was more and more willing to go out and do, do anything for God because he had seen God's faithfulness. Now, I love the story of Abraham. Uh, I love the stories in Scripture where we see God show up in people's lives. Uh, but I also love stories from our own community where we get to hear from people that go to Renaissance that are part of our family on how God showed up in their life when they went out on a, little, on a limb a little bit to trust him. So I want you guys to give it up for Samantha as she comes out and shares a little bit of her story. I just want to say thank you for letting me share my story with you today. Um, so growing up, I always had plans to graduate from college. I had a dream to get a degree and climb the corporate ladder, and I decided to go to Pace University and get a degree in marketing management because I figured anything to do with business, I was going to make some money. Um, so I moved here from upstate New York, but by the time I got to the city, God had... Um, completely different plans for me. And he started drawing my heart to a ministry called Young Lives that mentors teen moms in New York City. So uh, Young Lives is a faith-based organization, and our goal is to introduce moms and their babies to Jesus Christ and to help them grow in their faith. And we do that by um, spending a lot of time with them, going where they're at, building relationships, friendships, and um, through those connections, we're able to then share the gospel. So I started off at Young Lives as a volunteer, which meant that I would spend about five to eight hours a week with teen moms and their babies, and we would hang out and eat lots of pizza and just get to know one another. And I did that for about um, two and a half years, and then I was asked to join staff part-time in October of 2015. So I joined staff part-time, and I continued to mentor teen moms, but then I was also in charge of building a team here in Harlem and getting other women who had a heart for teen moms and their babies to join me on this walk and also start mentoring with me. Now, um, God continued to work in my heart, in particular in trusting him financially. See, I knew that he was pushing me, pushing me forward to work for Young Lives full-time, but I was really scared. I knew from a lot of people that were in ministry that um, nonprofits are not where the money is at. So uh, with that in my mind, I'm like, God, I don't think I'm ready for this. So um, I worked for Young Life part-time, but then I also got a job in uh, the meatpacking district at a restaurant called Fig and Olive. And Fig and Olive is known for their crostini. They're these like little toasts with like toppings on them. Cece knows what I'm talking about. Um, so, do, so do Jordan and Jess, wherever they're at. Just don't ask Aswan because he got like a kid's meal when he went. So it, it was not good. Don't ask him. So anyway, if you know anything about the server culture in New York City, it is completely addicting. You um, can go into work for about like six hours. You can make anywhere from $300 to $400 a week. And um, the way my bank account was set up, I needed that money. Uh, I definitely enjoy taking an Uber here and there. I like getting my nails done, and I also like to pay my rent. So I needed to do all those things. Um, but there was still a feeling like I was being called to trust God, even though I couldn't see how or where he would show up. So in October of 2016, I came on staff full-time, 
And um, I was full of doubt. I was full of uh, fear. I kept hearing, um, hearing all these stories about the same thing, how you can't make uh, a living out of full-time ministry. And I really had a hard time leaving my job at Fig and Olive. Now, on top of all of the responsibilities I had to continue mentoring teen moms and continue building teams, I also had a new one thrown on there, and that was um, a really big challenge. I had to raise $20,000 by the end of the year. And I have great friends and family, but they don't have (laughs) $20,000. So... um, I did what every good Christian does, and even though I was completely convicted to quit my job, I prayed, and I asked God to reveal to me what it is I needed to do, even though he had already told me what I had to do, leave my job. So I asked everyone to pray for me. I had my small group praying for me. I had Young Life staff praying for me. I had um, the church praying for me. Everyone was praying for me, but eventually, uh, I knew I had to quit Fig and Olive, so I put in my two-week notice at the restaurant. And I think for some reason, if you've ever put in your two-week notice every, anywhere, it makes you feel like you're ready to take a vacation. So when my, when my last shift uh, came around, I did not want to go in, but I did. I went into Fig and Olive, and um, I was the first server in the, in the section in the restaurant. So right away, I get six tables. And my second table of the night was this uh, couple from Dallas, and they started asking me like a bunch of questions about the restaurant and the food, and they end up ordering crostini. So I bring out the crostini, and they're burnt. So I'm like, okay, strike one. It's okay. I can, I can come back from it. So then they send out the crostini again, and this time it's the wrong ingredient. So I'm like, all right, two times. So at this point, I just like take a second, and I pray, and I'm like, God, let, let there be no more hiccups. Let me just run smoothly. It's my last shift. So... Um, they tell me, we're here in, in town for business from Dallas just one night, and we're going to go see a Broadway show. So they're like, do you think you could give us directions? And I'm like, yeah, of course. And in my head, I'm like, perfect. This is my time to make it up. I'll give them like a little diagram of directions instead of like being like a regular New York and be like, take the blue line and get off of here. So I drew a little diagram on a piece of receipt paper, and I brought it to them, and they were so happy, super thankful. Um, We end up chatting a little bit, and then I bring the check. So the check was $130 for the two of them, and I say, thank you. I pick up the check, and I go back to the computer. So I'm about to put the tip in in my computer, and I open the check, and they left a $50 tip. So in my head, I'm like, great. This is going to be a good shift. I'm going to make lots of money tonight. But right in that moment when um, I'm looking at the tip, I hear a voice, and it's God's voice, and he's telling me, go back and tell them what you do. So I'm like, God, really? I got to go tell them what I do. I'm like, they're going to think I'm creepy. They already gave me the money. I just need to put it in and keep it moving. But he was like, no, no, no. Go back and tell them what you do. Tell them what you do with Young Life. I'm like, okay, God. So before I get to even put like the tip in the computer, I walk back to them and I, I just stand in front of them and I'm like, I just want you to know I am so thankful for this. And of course the husband's like, for what? And I'm like, this tip means a lot to me. I just put in my two weeks notice today for the restaurant because I'm leaving my job here and I'm going to focus working full time in ministry for um, Young Life, mentoring teen moms. So at that moment, the wife goes, no. And she says, my husband and I, we just uh, threw our Young Life banquet in Dallas the week before. We are both on a Young Life board in Dallas. We both met Christ through Young Life when we were in high school, and our two daughters are high school leaders in Dallas. 
And in that moment, everything stopped. And all I could hear was God's voice tell me, I see you. I see you. He saw all of my doubts. He saw all of my fears. He saw all of my insecurity. And yet he showed up. So I continued talking to them, and uh, they're asking me, like, okay, well, in Dallas, uh, when you work with teen moms, it's called Young Lives. I'm like, yeah, it's called that, too, but people get confused, so I just call it Young Life. And, like, we're talking about all these things, and then the husband, he's like, okay, so what's your budget? So he got right, right to the point, and I'm like, okay, I have to raise $20,000 this year. So he asked me how much I have raised so far. I give him a couple numbers that I honestly was embarrassed to share because it wasn't a lot. It just started. Um, and he goes, I'm going to give a gift to your area. So he gives me back that little diagram I drew him, and he asked me to put my, my info. So I put in my email address, my, um, my phone number, everything short of my social security. I did not want him to forget about me. I'm like, I'm going to give it all to you. And, and I do, and I give him that piece of paper, and I walk away, and I'm like, oh, my God, where did all my training go? I need to ask him for a business card. So I go back, just in case he loses my piece of paper, right? And he's like, I'm sorry, I don't have a business card, but you have my word that I'm going to get back to you. I'm like, okay, I tried. So um, the day before Thanksgiving, I get a call from Paul Cody, who's the um, regional director for New York City. And he tells me, so, Sam, I got a call from uh, the senior vice president of the Southeastern Division of Young Life. Apparently, the two of you have a mutual friend. This couple from Dallas who met you at Fig and Olive, and it was like your last day there, well, they've been asking about you, and they, they want to know more about you. He's like, well, I just got a text um, a few minutes ago, and they're going to give your area a gift of $20,000. That is really good. It was an overwhelming feeling to know that God would do such a thing for me and for my girls. That he would provide in such a lavish way despite all of my doubt and all of my fears. I am so far from perfect and he knows that better than anyone else. Yet he orchestrated the most extravagant appointment to remind me that he is in control. He provides and there is nothing that he can't do. Thank you. What a word. He is in control. He provides. And there's nothing that he can't do. Would you guys stand with us in worship?